0: I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. We are super excited to announce that Songtown on Songwriting is now powered by Sweetwater.com, which is the greatest place to buy musical gear on the planet. We hope you'll check them out. We have a link in the show notes. Clay did an amazing interview a little while back with uh, producer-songwriter Aaron Shears, and uh, so we're going to play that for you today. And introduce you to a a super talented guy. Hope you enjoy.
1: We are here tonight with Aaron Schurz. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Aaron. I'm going to actually read it because he's got so much going on that I need some notes here. Um, He's a hit producer, songwriter, um, responsible for a lot of the success of Maddie and Tay. He co-wrote Girl in a Country Song. Um, which was a number one um, billboard country song, certified platinum in sales, according to Wikipedia. Um, Title song he wrote for a Tracy Lawrence album called The Rock, and that was a Grammy-nominated. Cuts on the latest Keith Urban. um, Cuts by Janice Kramer, Reba McIntyre, Greg Bates, Joanna Smith. Featured song in the TV show Nashville. So, basically, you you were an overnight success. Yeah, right. <laughs> 18 years in the making. Actually, 15 years. 18 in years in the making. Yeah. So, I'm excited. He's got a lot of cool stories. But, Aaron, first of all, a lot of people watching, they want to know, like, how how people like us that didn't grow up in Nashville, how we came to Nashville, how we met people, how we got started in the business. So, <sighs> just tell us a little synopsis of how you got started when you were a youngster in music. Well, uh,
2: <clears throat> I think it goes back to uh, being in high school and sitting in English class, and I was listening to the teacher, and I was like, "I'm not going to do something normal." I remember <laughs> having that thought. I said, "I'm just not." You didn't going know what it do. was. I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea. I didn't even play guitar. I didn't do anything. I just said, "My life is going to be a little different," and I don't know why or what, but uh, you know, high school was that, and I tried college. and went to Texas A and M, and. This girl had broken up with me, and I was like, you know what? I need to write a song about
1: this. And I <laughs> didn't know how to write a song or play guitar or anything. So so uh, you just got in your head, I want to a write chorus. a
2: song. A chorus just popped into yeah. my head. And wow. I'm like, I guess, I guess that's what it is. I know that now. It's a chorus. Right. It was a few lines. And I was like, you know, I'm starting to hear some music to this. Because I loved all, all music. I mean, always. Garth Brooks, Duran Duran, Tracy Lawrence was my first concert I ever went to, you know. So just real diverse, but the lines started to come to me. I was like, well, I guess I need to learn how to play guitar. So went and found a guitar and looked up the chords on the internet, taught myself how to play it. My mom actually taught me my first three chords. Oh, wow. And then I learned the rest of them off the internet. And uh, hung around in Houston for a while and made the trip to Nashville with a guy who was playing drums in a band that we never had a show. We call ourselves a band, but we never done a show. (laughs) So I, my drummer and I made a trip up here, and we didn't know anything about anything. And we got out the yellow pages, and we cold called a few wow. people. I mean, he did, yeah. and he had the gift of gab. Like I was right. like, I'm pretty sure this isn't how it's supposed to work.
1: Songwriters need those people in our lives. Right. Have the gift of gab. <laughs> yeah, he
2: could he could really work it, and uh, he got us in to see Blake Chancey and Paul Worley right when the Dixie Chicks were breaking. Wow. Like they had just had. There's your trouble. He definitely
1: has the gift again. Yeah. God. <laughs> so
2: we're here for a day, and I find myself in Blake Chansey's office, the old uh, Sony music on the corner there. Mm-hmm. When it's now curb something. We were up in the up there, and he listened to it, and he said, "All right, you're good, but go back to Texas." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, we're going back to Texas." So we went back. <laughs> I went back to Texas long enough to pack my stuff. I didn't even tell my parents that I was moving, and I mm-hmm. moved here, and because uh, they were out of the country at the time, they were they were living overseas. And I'd lived here for about a week and a half, and I realized, oh, they're coming home. I need to get back home. So I was there when they got there. I told them what I had done, and then uh, they were said, "Well, go do it. You know, if it's, you know, you're young, go get it out of your system." So you did have parents that were supportive, super supportive. Yeah, Yeah, they, they, you know, they didn't know anything about songwriting. I moved here to be Garth Brooks 2.0. You know, really. So you wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a singer. And uh, I remember very vividly, I moved here and I started playing on the street corners because I had no job. I played at 2nd and Broadway, right behind the Hard Rock Cafe gift shop. It's now a patio. It used to be a flower bed. And you could stand on the railroad ties and sing. And I would open my guitar case. And then this one guy, this, I mean, this one time, this guy walked up to me. He said, so you want to be a star, huh? I said, well, I'm, I'm trying. He goes, sing me something. So I sang him a Garth Brooks song. And he goes, well, you got tone. <laughs> good luck. And then he walked off. I was like, okay, I guess that's a good thing. Tone, I don't know. But people, you know, I did that for a few weeks playing on the street corners till I got a job on Music Row what at kind of a job? radio syndication company because I, I knew computers and stuff and could do websites, so that helped. You know, I've always been sort of a computer geek. Mm-hmm. And uh, got a job there and really started writing songs. And once I hung around the town a little while, I realized that my – I did a bad demo session, a really bad demo session. And I saw the guy, he had a computer and uh, some sort of interface and some of this stuff. And I was like, I bet I could figure that stuff out. So then I started doing the studio stuff. Because it's like computers. It really is, yeah. So I realized I liked the studio more than being on the stage. And that was sort of where I really dug in and started working on the craft of writing and production and... uh, so That's you like, had
1: your day job, and then you were mm-hmm. working on stu- like getting your studio skills together. Exactly, exactly. And, and then, so, how long did that period kind of go on that that you were developing? Oh, still developing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I was telling you
2: earlier, I'm still learning all yeah. this new stuff. I, but um, I was at that company for a while, and they actually they started a publishing company to sign me as a writer, and that was. A long time ago and probably really too early but i did end up writing the tracy lawrence song at that company and that was probably in 2000 2005 2000 yeah probably 2004 2005 and um then that didn't work out and then i went to another place and got another pub deal i think i'm on my sixth pub deal now yeah you know I think I'm on seven or eight yeah months. it's 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 tough you know yeah. in the pub deal you go and you hope for the best and you work and you write and you work real hard and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't so that was a couple of them didn't work and uh but years God, six seven years
0: somebody wants to know for you to talk a little bit about your songwriting process, like do you start with a riff or lyrics or core, you know, groove or how do
2: you write? <laughs> we will say I start with
1: desperation.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, now we're
1: really getting the truth here, I, I can relate to that. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs>
2: it's. Uh, I, I usually start with a with a hook or a concept or something. Um, let me uh, let me try to think of the last one. An idea, a, a, just a concept of Like you song. did
1: with that song. Like, Right, I saw
2: uh, my wife uh, do something. I said, there's got to be a song here. And I just sort of fished for the hook a little while. You know, she's, she ain't, you ain't thinking of me. And then I think there was some wine involved with that guitar picking one night. I just sat down and messed with that thing. But normally I start with a concept and a hook. I listen to commercials. I read greeting cards. I look at magazines. I read books listen to people speak Mm -hmm. you know and 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 that and
1: the thing i noticed that you were really observant to notice that every time she heard a chris isaac song she kind of drifted away for a second Mm -hmm. and that's what songwriters do right we capture those little moments whereas you know i'm not saying non-songwriters wouldn't have seen that but i think we pick up on those kind of things
2: right I'll even uh, I'll even monitor my own conversations for hooks. I was talking to another songwriter the other day on the phone, and I said something, and I was like, "That's a hook. I'm, I'm to write that." He goes, "Yeah, we should write that." I was like, "All right." I just wanted to say it, you know, in case you know, gotta monitor your. Always be open to uh, things that are out there. So you yeah. generally like to start with the concept or a title, the concept or a title, a hook, and then I immediately trying to figure out what the rhyme is that leads to it. That's just the way mm-hmm. my brain goes. It's Even like, uh, before
1: you would start plucking around on the guitar, maybe, or is it mm-hmm. at the same time? Or I try to get the words yeah. in my head. Cool. Yeah. The hook and the line
2: that's going to set
1: that hook up is what I usually do. So I want to talk a little bit about, you have a song on Keith Urban's album, Ripcord, Chord. Right. Um, and the song's called Boy Gets a Truck, and when I heard this song... It was so cool to me because it had all these cool elements. There's this little play you do with repeated words in the chorus, and the melody just keeps building in the chorus. It just and it's emotional. I mean, it's real, but you still, man. You know, people go, "Oh, a truck song," but then it's like, "No, wait a minute. This is actually a really good (laughs) song." It's kind of the feeling I had when I heard um, "Drives My Truck." That yeah, I mean yeah i I drive drive your truck I drive your truck it was like it was a truck song but man it just like (laughs) grabs you and that's kind of the way i felt when i heard this chorus um but you had kind of an interesting story about how that song went from the original demo to how it it ended up the version on the album
2: that whole song is an interesting story (laughs) so Um, start
1: at the beginning
2: my co-writer ash bowers showed up one day and he said, "Man, I have this idea." He said, I, I, "I," he said, "I was at a gas station and I was watching a guy get gas, and he had this beautiful woman with him." And I was like, "Well, a boy gets a truck, truck gets a girl," and I was like, "Okay," and I'm like you realize I wrote "Girl in a Country Song," we're gonna write a truck song. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "Yeah," he said, "But I want to kind of write about what a truck is," and I was like, "All right, so." my first car was a truck i had a 77 custom deluxe with plaid bench seats and rusted floorboards it was the color of a manila foliar it was horrible <laughs> it had glass packs but it ran it was loud you know and that that truck was something you know just Texas. the
1: description of that sounded like a song too. right yeah yeah
2: so we spent the whole day on the chorus the first co-write and um At the end of the chorus we were both so wiped out because it took a lot of work to make it you know, come around as a full circle. Right. You know, start to start with boy gets a truck to go through a whole life of what a truck is and then come back to boy gets a truck.
1: Right. It's it took a lot of thinking. I mean we were it's almost an entire song within the chorus. Exactly. And we'll get to that in a little (laughs) while, yeah. So
2: so we spent the whole day on that. Well I think a month went by and we we didn't really we recorded it just in Pro Tools just in the room just like just guitar just like right here and we were supposed to write with an artist that day uh, on a major label and um, that artist canceled 10 minutes before the write as Ash was on his way to the house and I was bummed about it you know because it's like you want to get those rights with the artist you know I was bummed. And I was like, well, man, let's maybe look at that thing we started the last time. And I loaded it up, and I listened back, and I was like, I got chills. I was like, yeah. huh, this is actually pretty solid. So I was like, I called him back after that. I was like, dude, I cannot wait to work on this song. We're going to knock it out of the park. So he, we got, he got there, and we finished the verses and the bridge in a couple of hours, and then we built the track that day just right there he Mm -hmm. sang the demo and then as soon as it was done he sent it out and it was on hold for dirks bentley within an hour wow like dirks personally heard it freaked out about it and this was from the track you built in your studio yeah and i sent you that demo yeah um yeah so dirks was over the moon about it so we were like sweet we're getting a dirks bentley cut awesome well Came down to cutting time, and he didn't cut it, so uh, he let the song go. Within, uh, I think, six hours, it was on hold for Blake Shelton, and then uh, Easton Corbin's people <laughs> were calling, and Luke Bryan's people, and through some through some communication thing, Blake's people had it on hold for him, but Ash's person that he had pitched it to sent it to Keith, and this was on a Saturday. Sent it to Keith on a Saturday. Keith called on Sunday and said, pull the hold back from Blake. I'm cutting it tomorrow. Wow. And made a special session with Dan Huff, and they spent two days cutting it. And it was just like,
1: wow. See, that's, that, crazy. that's something that, that Marty and I tell people over and over again, is you want to write that song that, that has the magic. We don't always know what it is, but it has that magic that everybody wants it and everyone that hears it goes oh my gosh this is giving me chills this is a great song and we don't write those very often no. but that's mm-hmm. those are the ones that they're undeniable that 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 song's going to get cut and practically every big song i've had has been like that where one person had it on hold but there were several others that wanted to to yeah. cut it you know and i wish i knew
2: what it the, was the magic <laughs> the pixie dust that goes into that but that's kind of what keeps keeps us showing up every day because you never know when it's going to be that day in case they're wondering out there you know i I think back to when i was a tennis player i had a pro coach and he would teach me and then i always come up and i would go all right well show me how the pros do it now show me show me what you did at at wimbledon and he's like i did exactly what you're doing i just did a, a lot of it
1: right you know So that's the thing. And how
2: many songs do you think you
1: wrote before you wrote the Keith Urban cut?
2: Oh. I probably got 1,500 or 1,600 songs. Yeah. Yeah. And I still don't... I still have days when I walk into a writing room and I'll whiff it or I will write something that's not so great. Most days we come up, just because of muscle memory, we come up with something pretty solid. Yeah. You know? But when you come up with the special ones, those are few and far between. Even when you do it every day you know. Oh,
0: yeah. for me they are yeah. alright you can hear the rest of that on the Songtown website if you want to hear the full interview uh, we're going to leave you with a song called so- Signs and Wonders by Paul DeMarco Lucy LeBlanc and Bill O'Hanlon all Songtown members who have all kinds of stuff going on right now with their music hope you enjoy please check out the show notes for information about books on songwriting uh, more information about Sweetwater as well Be well, We'll see you next time.
3: It didn't rain, but I heard the thunder, saw a rainbow that said something good was coming. Every day, every day, every day, every day I see signs and wonders took a walk, I saw a flower Pushing up through a crack in the concrete Now I know I heard the thunder Saw a rainbow that said something good was coming